This podcast is brought to you by Aviva. We'll be exploring some of the biggest questions and issues faced by parents, but sometimes it's nice to have a helping hand. Aviva exists to be with people when it really matters throughout their life. They've been supporting people through life's financial challenges for over 300 years, so they know a thing or two about preparing for the future. Aviva is with you today for a better tomorrow. Right, let's get into it. Hello everyone, thanks for joining us again. Uh, myself, Vernon Kay and Holly Mackay here. This is episode five. Can you believe it? We've come so far. And this episode, we're going to be future gazing. So right. we spent a lot of time, Vernon, talking about the here and now, the traumatic year that was 2020 for most of us. But we're going to kind of get our mystic Meg hats on and, and look into the future and look at the world we think our children are going to grow into. I mean, where to begin? Vernon, the talking stick. Oh, no, I don't want to start. Yes. I know. <laughs> There's no way I'm going to start with this one. Okay. No, no, Where no, do no, we no, begin? No. Okay, let me pluck one. If you had to look at 20 years hence... I love the fact that you threw all yeah. responsibility onto my shoulders, Holly. That's the kind of relationship we've got. I appreciate that. Threw this me under the, the bus t- straight away. <laughs> well, you're the pro here. Come Hell on, no. you know. I'm going to... Not on this subject. Make you, make oh, you stress on it. Okay, so when we look 20 years down the track and think about the world our kids so this is like this should be called the boring old farts episode because here we sort of this is where we turn into our parents holly you oh that's another podcast (laughs) for another day okay i'm going to start you know you've you've got to look at climate change Mm -hmm. my my 11 year old is now obsessed with extinction yeah, our kids, I, think, doom. I think it's something that we have to be, well, as we speak in this present day, not in 20 years down the line, but now we should be, everyone should be aware of what's going on with the environment. I think it's really important. And you cannot shy away from the fact that the environment is changing. Let's not talk about climate change, just one big broad sweeping statement. The earth, the environment is changing rapidly and we need to do something. Humanity needs to do something. So what are we going to do for our kids when they turn into the world that they've grown up into? It's going to be insane. It really I'm is. I'm going to be devil's advocate though because I kind of think when we talk about this and I, I do sometimes, I try and sort of challenge my kids with this because it's easy to watch, I don't know, an Attenborough programme and talk about what we're all doing and how we've got to be better. But then I might catch them sort of looking on Amazon and go, oh, I quite fancy that ridiculous LOL doll that comes with three million plastic wrappers. And I call them out on it. And I say, come on, you've got to trade off here, kids. And I think that trade off is is difficult. And I I think that's what I'm sort of trying to talk to my kids about is it's it's easy to sort of stand there in a bubble and sort of say how the world should be and and what we've got to do. Yeah, do you you find that with the topic of the environment that that when someone tells someone else about what's going on and the impact that their actions are having, there seems to be, and I've noticed it myself, a lot of finger pointing. It's always, oh, we can't use plastics or we can't do this or you should try and reduce your carbon footprint. It's always someone telling someone else how they should be how, they, how you should behave. And I think for us, if you can start in your own home by making a conscious difference to your daily routine with the environment at the forefront of your daily thoughts by recycling, reducing plastic, uh, getting on your bike instead of going to the shops, which is only two minutes away in your car, you know, using uh, fossil fuels. Yeah, have you thought about using electric 
mobility, which is a big thing, but then you think, hang on a minute, where does the electric come from? What's in the battery? How is my electricity generated? If you can have that conversation within your household, that's a start. I've got, I've got even something that I found out the other day that is, is mind-bending on this subject, I think. Something that is 20 times more impactful than cutting the amount of meat we eat, cutting down on plastics, um, taking public transport, is our pension. So I've been oh, doing a lot of work. you mentioned this at the end of the very first episode that we did, and you said, oh, your pension can be greener. Yeah. I'm like, what the heck does that mean? So your pension, if you're like most people, you, you won't have a foggiest where it is. Kind Not of, a clue. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It'll be some, some mythical kind of beast sitting in the city somewhere, <laughs> hopefully bigger than it used to be. Um, but of course, all it is is invested in some of the world's biggest companies. I think to me... Um, the, the film director, Richard Curtis, is currently working with a campaign called Make My Money Matter on this and trying to sort of say to people, stop thinking that your pensions are these boring hidden things because, of course, it's all just money which is being invested in, into to businesses and you've got a say. And so I think it's really important that we all start to suddenly go, actually, where is my pension invested? Okay, well, and to ask those questions. Yeah, how do you start to ask those? So let, from a... From a layman's perspective, I set up a pension, which I assume goes into a fund or it's split up into various funds and it's invested that way. And I reap the benefits of the positive investment that my pension holder has made. But how can I turn around to a pension holder and say, okay, I want my money to be green. Not physically, obviously, but I want my money to be invested in green companies. How, how, does, that, how does that happen? This is what I think. So. We've got a kind of parent-child relationship with our kind of pensions and we, we kind of expect them to tell us yeah. what to do. Turn it on its head. You're the customer. So you can write to them. Um, it still is a bit old-fashioned. It does involve a bit of phones mm -hmm. quite often. or <laughs> They probably still take faxes. <laughs> um, get in touch with them and just say, I want to see what my options are. And within the options these days, they'll have sustainable options or there'll be other things that, that you can explore. Some of the pension providers are coming out and committing to being uh, net zero moving forward. So I just sort of say it as, as an aside, because I think it's something that is mm. so impactful that more of us can do. And with that sort of if we all did that, um, we could have a huge difference. So you should see how quickly that stops my children when they're all enthusiastic and talking about polar bears and then mummy starts banging on about pensions. You've ruined it. Yeah, you've, you've ruined, ruined it. my fun. Um, what else, Vernon, if we sort of look to the future, the world our kids will grow into, political sort of point of view? I mean, oh, am I going to... Are, are we going we go there, there, Holly? Well, uh, you know, we've had a fairly extreme year of some fairly extreme leaders in inverted commas. Yeah, I mean, let's look back at 2020. What a year where every social issue rose to the top of the, shall we say, the cesspit. And all those points became debatable. All those points, in a, in a good way, became topics of conversation. All these big social movements which generate a lot of traffic, both in uh, everyday media, print and broadcast, but also in digital media, you know, social media is where these movements really get a hold. And some would say it's a good thing. Some would say that having a free forum to speak is a bad thing because not every all your checks and balances are done. So sometimes there's a lot of fake news, which became topical in 2020 as well. I think it was a year where conversations were able to be had. And I hope that they will 
define or realign the future that our kids are going to have where we live. And this sounds really preachy and I apologize. It's, it's going to sound like a Miss World <laughs> speech, right? But I hope that we will live, my kids will be in a world where color doesn't matter, religion doesn't matter, freedom matters massively, uh, freedom of movement of people, freedom to speak, but also the fact, and this is really simple, that hate slowly disappears. That's all I ask for. And I know... Not much. Not Chuck that. in world peace <laughs> as well. Child, I, knew, I was yeah. going to go there with world peace, but I thought, oh my gosh, I sound like Miss UK. Miss uh, England. Yeah. This podcast is brought to you by Aviva. Visit aviva.co.uk to find out more and enjoy the rest of the podcast. Aviva is with you today for a better tomorrow. All right, Holly, so let's bring in uh, Vicky Broadbent, our guest for this pod. Uh, hi, Vicky. Hi, Vic. Hey, how are you guys? Hi. Yeah, we're, we're, we're really good, at, quite envious and a little bit jealous that uh, you, you've got a book called Mumboss and, of course, you've got honestmum.com. Uh, so yeah. if we're going to talk about anything which is parent-related, then obviously <laughs> you're our first port of call. But today's topic is an interesting one because it's all about the world my children will grow into. It, it, it's quite broad. Uh, we're looking to the future. But let me ask you off the bat first question. What do you think our kids expect the future to look like? Well, I asked my son this the other day, Oliver, he's 10, and he was quite pessimistic. He was like, I think we're all doomed. And I was like, Oliver, don't say that. Like, <laughs> you know, I think our, the kids today are really resilient. I think that, you know, what's going on is is challenging as much as it is for us is for them i go by you know i am my name honest mum and i am honest with my kids obviously in an age appropriate way but children are suffering as well right now they don't you know so for me i'm trying to be an anchor to my children but i'm equally saying to them none of us are quite sure about what's going on however there are things that we can do to protect our planet to you know I've taught them, I think my children more politicised than I possibly was growing up, although I was, my parents talked to me about politics, but I feel like children know so much more. And that's reflected in school, in the way that we're having conversations at home, in the way that they're watching the news. So I do hope, I have hope that their generation will will try and make it a better world. I really do. I think we have to remain positive. Do you think they know too much in a in a way vicky so do you think we there's always that sort of debate isn't there in parenting should you try and be someone's parent should you be their friend you know how much do you share kind of adult concerns with them how do you kind of draw the line and kind of walk that tightrope it is really hard i think i've you know, I think that they know a lot, but it's also about framing it for them as well. And I think that if you're not honest, if you don't have those candid discussions, they will pick up things from TikTok from, you know, randomly. So I try and always be open about discussions. We use things like um, The Week Junior is a great magazine. It covers you know, newsworthy subjects in an age appropriate way that um, allows me to engage with my children. Um, it sort of supports me as much as them. I think that's been a really useful tool. Also being quite protective over the media that they're watching. You know, uh, Newsround is great for them. Um, my kids are 10 and 8, so that's pitched correctly. Rather than inciting kind of 
a traumatic response, a panicky response, I think. But yeah, I was thinking about this today and I was thinking about my own childhood. I had a really sort of blessed childhood in a place called Ilkley in Yorkshire. And, you know, it was really lovely. And I'm sad that to some extent, our children are not having that same innocent childhood that I had the privilege of enjoying that other people did. I feel that from a fairly young age, they have had to learn a lot. What's interesting is the curriculum are helping children as well. So the onus is not just on the parents. Um, for instance, my son Oliver, he's 10, he's nearly 11 in January. And at school, they're learning about World War II, they're reading Anne Frank's diary. And I think they're looking at history. Um, I mean, the red, um, oh, I've forgotten what it's called now. About uh, Is it the Midnight Garden, where the child's also in quarantine? And I feel like that's giving them an idea that, yes, they're going through something historical, which is the crisis at the moment and COVID, but that if we look backwards um, sort of a history that other children of their age have gone through far worse. And also, you know, I, I feel like to some extent that's supporting them and it's a, they're able to discuss things that might have been more problematic. So I think kind of history, the arts are helping them process. It's a tricky time. We've all got to come together. Do you ever find yourself saying to your kids back in my day, <laughs> no, I mean, oh my gosh, I did actually say that the other day. Someone was telling me something about TikTok and I was explaining about how he used to have like little pages and he couldn't, he actually just couldn't believe kind of when I was 16, I was like paging my friends to meet up. In some ways, technologies are really, it's precious, isn't it? Because it's allowing children, particularly when we were homeschooling, it's allowed children to communicate with other children and to kind of, you know, laugh about certain things or memes that being created or TikToks. I mean, both my children are not publicly, I mean, they, they're, they're visible on my platforms, but they don't have like public TikTok accounts or anything. But when I sort of look at things or look at the messaging with their, with their friends, they, you know, they're still having fun, aren't they? And they're creating these little dance routines and stuff. And I think it's important to, yeah, to have an outlet to, to be creative. So Vicky, what about your kids then when they kind of look to the future? You mentioned your son can be a bit sort of doomy gloomy, Armageddon is coming. But do, what worries them, do you think, about the, the world they're going to grow up into? I mean, it's such a, a, a strange time at the moment in many ways, but I sort of feel like there's a lot of potential as well. Like they're realising how important it is to vote as they get older. We talk a lot about our political opinions here. They're very proactive in terms of the way that they they feel that they have a voice. And I think that's come with um, social media. It's also come in the way that we've been brought up. I was brought up by a really strong feminist. My parents were immigrants to the UK. My parents are both Greek Cypriot. They met at university and then I grew up in Leeds. So definitely my upbringing and the sort of stories that I've heard and kind of the work ethos that I've been sort of given and handed through my family have really sort of uh, influenced who I am today and I've sort of wanted to pass that on to my kids as well and and I know this from conversation with my children about how they wouldn't you know they won't tolerate any isms racism sexism and I and 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 kind of it gives me hope that children they want change and and they and that's really important. And I think as parents, we have to keep educating and not shy away from learning ourselves as well and developing and, and, and learning ways to communicate with children. But, but if we, if we, Vicky, if we're moving into this, or oh, we are in this digital world now, 
Yeah. And information, like you said earlier on, is easily accessible to our kids. It's at their fingertips. It's on their, if they have a phone, it's on their laptops. You know, all this information is also readily available in school in the, in the tech department mm. because, you know, schools do have laptops and computers and this, that and the other and iPads. If all that information is there, at what point do parents take the responsibility of sitting their kids down and explaining themselves about politics, about racism, about homophobia, about the Me Too movement? Instead yeah. of allowing our kids to go out there and fish for it themselves, at what point do we say as parents, all right, enough's enough, we need a chat? I mean, it's never too early to start discussing those things. It's children. They, they did research and found that children can distinguish between colour very early on. I was reading that in Uji's book and that we need to talk and we need to... I think that the, uh, a lot of mums before I had a baby advised me that um, about being an honest parent really early on and about you know, we can't sugarcoat life. Uh, my own parents uh, experienced racism themselves. I mean, I was in a very well-known store with my mum and we were spoken to very slowly as if we couldn't speak English. And there's a lot of casual racism, there's layers there. And I think it's really about using tools, looking at the news together and also really discussing things and not and welcoming questions. I think as parents, we need to create a safe environment in which we can talk. And this is what I've been doing since they were young. And when my children ask me questions, I try not to pretend, even when it feels uncomfortable, when they're asking me about, you know, how how do women have babies and what happens? And, and one thing that's really interesting that I've found over the years, children have so many answers that we are seeking. They think in a very, uh, it, it's not simplistic, it's actually quite profound way. Um, I've actually leaned on my children quite a lot. So um, I had a traumatic birth with my first baby and that was really tough. And it was only about a year ago that I really talked to Oliver about it. And I said, you know, Oliver, I experienced a really traumatic birth. I was very depressed for the first year that you were born. I feel like I missed out on a lot of that year and it was heartbreaking for me. But I just want you to know that I loved you then, I love you now, that this wasn't your fault. And he turned around to me and said, that is such a sad story, mummy. And, and it was just that realisation, that recognition, that empathy, that understanding we need to be human. We need to humanize parenting because when we try not to, that's when we cause problems. I think I, you know, my parents were honest, but I do think that for a lot of it, my mum was, and she is an amazing mum, but I, I think I didn't realize she was human for, until I was almost an adult or until I was at least a teenager. And I think for my children, they've experienced loss. We lost a very close relative. They've experienced me having an operation on my thyroid that caused a lot of medical complications. Um, there were times when I couldn't breathe, probably things like that. They saw me scared and human. But the important thing was not to allow them to unravel afterwards, but to talk through that. And actually, my children gave me a lot of support um, and I think we underestimate that. Yes, we don't want children to feel, to experience trauma, but the more we shield them, the less equipped they are for real life. And real life is hard. So it's that very delicate balance of, you know, <laughs> equipping them, empowering them, but loving them and, and being, because I am naturally quite a, a worried mum. You know, all of a sudden, let me, let me walk a bit 
of the way to school. And I'm like, no, and I've, I'm really <laughs> creative. So I have a million different scenarios. And I watch all those shows on Netflix, like Good Girls. And I just drive <laughs> myself mental, love them, but go mental about them. But I'm slowly learning. I have to I have to let go as well. So yeah, I mean, it, there's no easy answers. Everybody sort of follows their own their own way parenting. It's interesting how, how the media though has an impact in the way we perceive society and life. My parents, for example, my, my parents are both well over 75, touching yeah. 80. And we talked about a couple of things that happened in, in my childhood, which is relatable to my 16 year old and my 11 year old. Yeah. And we were talking about digital content. And I said, yeah, but, you know, you didn't have mobile phones in those days, mum. There was no such thing as digital technology. Information wasn't accessible at your fingertips. You had to go down to the library or rely on a neighbour or someone else who, who had a bit of info to pass it along. And we were talking about, I said, yeah, and, you know, and, and look at all, you know, all the, the, the stories of, of a grim subject, but all the stories about paedophiles and this, that, and the other that we yeah. all know about and the fear that it's driven into society. We don't let our kids walk out anymore. I mean, mum turned around to me and she said, listen, love, there'll always be perverts. <laughs> it's true. There were always perverts around in wherever we were. You know, she said, you've just got to stick to the basics. And that is teach your kids right and wrong. Let them yeah. know what's right and wrong and let them know that, how to get out of any situation. I'm like, do you know what? That's fair enough. And that's an old school way of looking at things, you know, because there's so much information. There's so many gruesome stories around on the internet. But yet, like my mum said, there's always been scary stories. I, it doesn't change. Your mum's right. And actually, when you look at certain crime figures, it doesn't necessarily mean that we're worse off. I think we've just got access to the information. Yeah, more. I think we're, we're, we're more aware of our surroundings now. We're more spatially aware of, of, of situations as well, you know, and, and I think... Some, like, I, I hate stereotyping as, as, a, as a thing. Like, but. I think, but, but I think when, you, when you're walking around and you're with your kids, you see things through a different light. You yeah. see, three, see things through different glasses. You know, like I still hold hands with my 16 year old and I can see people looking at her. Very lovely. And, and like, that's a bit Does weird. Is she, she not embarrassed about it? No, no, no. But you can see. I can see people looking at us like, hang on. It's because you look young as well, Vernon, so they might think. That's the other thing. Someone asked me if I was Oliver's sister the other day. I was like, oh, high five. High five. There you yeah. go. We'll take that one. Like getting yeah. ID'd in the supermarket. <laughs> <laughs> I was so happy. I think that you have to parent how you see fit. And I hope that my kids are still holding my hand at 16 and, and older. I sort of, my little one, I said, please just live with me till you're 30 i never want you to leave me it's like a cute little bunny rabbit a massive we, girl. it's adorable and we were so desperate lovely. for our two not to start their periods at something like 11 <laughs> and 12 do you know what i mean yeah that's hard i know it that's is because i've got two boys and i think for me my worry is that there's a you know, equally with girls, but with boys, there's such a pressure to be like alpha male and so strong. And I'm trying to teach my boys they can be vulnerable. It's they can cry. They, you know, and 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 they're they're really lovely, caring boys. Um, and I, and I've noticed that a lot of it comes externally, like other people sort of putting that on, like other people saying, "Oh, boys are really rough and tumbly. Boys are this," and and actually, boys they're are really not, diverse yeah. in in their needs, boys are really emotional, characteristics. Yeah. Enjoy, 
it, I don't want to limit any kids. And I think that's actually, when I look at my work, that's what I feel really, really passionate about. Mm. Um, kind of holding people to account in a way and, and challenging and saying, that's really stereotype what you said, because, you know, because those things have a huge impact on the way that children feel. And if you look at mental health, and when I talk to doctors, you know, they tell me this is the next epidemic. We've got COVID. And then after this is, you know, it's already starting with mental health and it's affecting children as well. And some research came out today to say that mothers particularly have been, been affected by insomnia and anxiety over this period. And I think it's because we have such a load to bear. We're trying to be strong for our families. We tend to be the ones that take on the parenting roles we tend to have the more flexible roles anyway and i think that um yeah we just we just have to try and uh we just have to admit sometimes that things you know i i'm quite honest with my kids like i had you know i can't remember i lost my temper about something the other day and then i was like oh gosh i'm really sorry i didn't mean to shout at everybody i'm having a really hard day and i think that's all it takes sometimes to explain Sorry for screaming. I'm just crying <laughs> in the toilet now. <laughs> it's the, but that's so relatable. It's so relatable. Where it is, where you just go, oh, da, 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 da. Yeah. like well, our yeah. youngest has a habit of wherever she goes, she leaves a trail. Oh, that's teenagers. Right? Oh, it drives me insane. Yeah. And I'm like, I'm, I'm sorry for shouting, but Amber, <laughs> I can, I know where you've been because yeah. there's either a pile of clothes or your dinner plate. Because sometimes we allow them to. <laughs> To, to have their dinner, or not every night, but every now and again, we let them watch their favourite cartoon or movie whilst having their dinner. Yeah. And it's a treat for them because they've no. got homework and stuff. I said, but you never shift anything. You it's never like, shift anything. Really and it's it, a battle, so, a constant battle. Oh, it's crazy. When my, when my son went back to school after homeschool, he drew a picture of me and I, I was drinking wine in the picture. <laughs> and I was so, Classic. I, it was so embarrassing. I just, it's called survival. Yeah. A laughing yeah. emoji on the picture, like one of those stickers. I was like, oh gosh, yes, there was a lot of wine that got me through. Yeah, just, just tell Oliver it's mummy's cowpole. Yeah, exactly. Well, uh, when and even when the teacher, it's my birthday soon, the teacher's asking what I want, and he was like, my mummy really likes gin. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> They've learned really. But, you know, you've got to survive, guys. You've exactly. got to do what you have to do. Exactly. Vicky, we could talk forever. Oh, it's been really <laughs> lovely. Really could. Thank you, guys. No, thank, thank you. Thank you for coming on. You really appreciate it. my book enough. I'm yeah, there sure. you go. Yes. Yeah. Mum boss. Oh, what, what was the American it version? the northerner in me, you see. Working mom. Working mom. Vicky, all the best and have a great Thank birthday. You. Thank you so much, guys. Take care. Bye. Bye. All right, Holly, as always on the pod, we have got some questions uh, that people have sent in. And, and this, is a, this is a subject that we, we found not difficult, but it, we, we sparked up some interesting conversations uh, about the world that our children are going to grow up in. First question, please, Mark. How do I speak to my children about what worries me most? Depends what it is. Let's be honest. There's some conversations that you should have with children. There's some that should be left for later years. What do you think, Holly? It's a tough one. I think, I mean, when we sort of look at the world they're going to grow into, they'll, they'll ask. I mean, my kids ask me about questions the whole time about, we mm. talked a lot about the environment, about climate change, all of that sort of stuff comes up. I guess the bit they haven't really talked to me so much about is, is their future relationships. We didn't really touch on that, did we? The whole kind of digital side of life are they going to be remote we're worried about them maybe being isolated but to my mind they're still too little to have broached those mm. questions with me I, th I think a good litmus test uh 
is at what age do you as parents start to consider the birds and the bees conversation? Oh, we've had it already. Have you had it already? I, I bought a book for my son because he lives most of the time with me. Right. And I suddenly thought he's 12. Yeah. And he'll have loads of questions. I might not have all the answers. Yeah. <laughs> so I sort of bought him a book. This is the difference between my boy and my girl. And I left it in his bedroom. He was reading at night. And I said, oh, I've just bought you this book. You know, there are a few things in there you might be interested in and ran for the door. <laughs> <laughs> and then I went back in half an hour later and I said, so, you know, is there anything you'd like to talk to me about? The book was unopened on the bed. If that had been my daughter, she would have, you know, inhaled the book, yeah. sort of turned it around a few times and be full of questions. But he didn't have any. Um, with my daughter, you know, I, I talk, she, she asked me loads of questions and I, I find that easier. But yeah. with my son, I left it to a book and he didn't want to read it. Yeah, I think as parents, there's that conversation and there's the Father Christmas conversation. And I think those are two good timelines as to when you can start having serious conversations with your kids. Like, I think, personally, I think our primary school talked about the birds and the bees a little bit too early because I like the naivety of childhood, the innocence of childhood. And I think those are the two big conversations that you have as a parent that are so significant in a child's life. Father Christmas, birds and the bees. And I think you gauge everything else around those two conversations. My kids have enough to worry about in the future. How can I make sure money isn't their biggest worry? Oh, I think this is a question about how do mummy and daddy save for their children? Trust funds, is that the key? That kind of thing? There are things called junior ices which are basically tax-free savings accounts. So you can put cash in them, you can put stocks and shares in them. You can get grandparents to pay into them if you've got grandparents who are so inclined. You can do that from about 25 quid a month as a direct debit. So that, that's one thing. I think the other thing though is we can't sugarcoat things for kids, can we? And, and, and you know, I know more at schools they're learning about this stuff. My son's just learned about budgeting. My son came nice. home and talked to me about a pension the wow. other day, which I thought was hilarious. So I think we just have to sort of be Hang honest. On it. He didn't. Wear, he didn't get information from yourself. Who? who that's no, your job. Yeah, he, he from got his so, teacher. So, someone he, at school. He said, "So, Mummy, have you got a pension?" I was like, "What? what? <laughs> what are you asking me about that that's for?" A classic. Um, but we can't sugarcoat it. I think you know that. There will, everyone's going to have times in their life where they, they get into financial difficulties and worries. I think what we can do as parents is have the conversations with our kids, talk to them about budgeting. And if you can possibly afford to, I've set up a junior ISA for my kids. I don't put that much into it, but I talk to them about where it's invested in and they get to pick and choose. And they have fights actually because I invested um, differently for my daughter to my son and she's doing much better. And he's now outraged. So also did his homework and turned around in an outraged voice and went, I want to be in emerging market equities. <laughs> <laughs> Now, we've mentioned it already in this episode, but there's some really clever ways that we can all change how the money we're already saving can influence the world our kids are going to grow into. Our resident expert, Alistair from Aviva, is here with more info and everything we need to know. Hi, my name's Alistair McQueen. I'm Head of Savings and Retirement at Aviva, and it's great to be part of today's podcast. Money talks, as the saying goes. And deciding where you invest your hard-earned money can play its own part in shaping the world into which our children will grow. Now, many pensions are nicer products, 
present you with a range of investment options. If you are already or are considering investing in an ISA or a pension, these are my top three tips to help you take control of your investment options. First, simply appreciate your investments. You may be surprised by how much you are already investing in a pension or another product. A good place to begin is by appreciating exactly how much you have invested today and in which funds you are invested. Your annual pension or ISA statement should present this information to you. Or if you're unsure, simply contact your provider and ask for an update. Second, understand your options. Having first worked out the total value of your investments, the next step is to understand the range of investment options that are open to you. You may be surprised at the range of options available. Some modern pensions and ISAs, for example, carry thousands of investment options, covering different underlying investments, different geographies and different levels of investment risk. And there's a growing popularity in the provision of funds with an environmental focus, investing in sustainable energy or recycling initiatives, for example. And third, take control. You're now well placed to take control of your money and make it work for you in a way that you want. Most modern investment products let you switch your investment options for no fee, and you can normally switch again as your plans change. But before making any investment changes, you should fully appreciate where you may be moving your money from and to. Different investment options carry different risks, and some carry different guarantees. And remember, the value of your investments can go down as well as up, and you could get back less than you put in. And if you're unsure about the different investment options, you could consult a regulated financial advisor for help. Our investment management business, Aviva Investors, is committed to developing funds that satisfy strict environmental, social or governance targets. And if you're in a workplace pension with Aviva, we are committed to ensuring our default funds meet the United Nations Paris Climate Agreement of being net zero by 2050. For more information, Search for Aviva Responsible Investment. And back to you guys. Brilliant advice as ever from Aviva. Thank you very much, Alistair. And that is it on the penultimate episode of Parenting Past the Pandemic. We'll be back next week with a really interesting discussion, one that's close to my heart, around the changing family unit. In the meantime, if you'd like more information, oh, I get it, it's my turn this week, Holly. Here we go. If you'd like any more information on this week's topic or any other episodes, then head to the website in the podcast description or aviva.co.uk forward slash parenting hyphen past hyphen the hyphen pandemic, including additional content from our very own Holly. I'm so pleased I got out of having to say that website link this week. And don't forget to hit subscribe or follow wherever you got this podcast to make sure you don't miss any more. You've only got one chance left. We'll be back on Monday. Bye for now. Bye. This podcast was brought to you by Aviva. Check out aviva.co.uk for more details. Aviva is with you today for a better tomorrow.